whatever your view is on life, who you are, where you are from, and why you are here, one thing is certain. Your physical body and non-physical mind or consciousness is on a journey of discovery. We must never stop investigating, never stop experimenting, never stop questioning. No fear, only love. No anger, only compassion and forgiveness. Cause this is just the way it's meant to be. This is just the way it's meant to be. This is just the way it's meant to be. This is just the way it's bound to be. Hi folks, I just had a conversation with a funeral director from Milton Keynes in the UK. I was going to run the conversation like an interview and then I decided no, I'll just let him speak. And then after that I was going to edit it down and create some sort of a presentable clip for you. But after listening to it back I thought no, I'm just going to play you the entire conversation in its raw form, warts and all, and let you hear what this man had to say. And I think it's extremely important, folks. This man has some compelling information that everybody needs to hear. So you're a funeral, um, you're a funeral director, am, hey, John? Yeah. I, I am indeed, bud. Um, my name's John. I'm a funeral director of 15 years. Um, I'm based in the UK in a place called Milton Keynes, which is kind of 40 Lovely miles. Place, right? Lovely place. I've been there. Yeah. I've spoken at Horwood House in Milton Keynes. Okay. Small world. Small world, my friend. Yeah. So I've uh, I've been a funeral director for about 15 years now. Ten of those were for one of the big funeral providers um, in the industry, Co-op Funeral Care. And then five years ago, um, I jumped ship and set up on my own because I wasn't really happy with how things were being done at the Co-op following the collapse of the bank. Um, you know, people kind of became... Um, cash cows instead of, uh, of being treated the way they should be, in my opinion. So what are you seeing now being a funeral director? How are you seeing things over the last couple of years, mate? Did you see a pandemic last year? Um, so uh, let me start from the beginning. So in 2019, I had a family come and see me who um, had lost a loved one. Um, and they had lost a loved one in the neighbouring borough of Northampton. So they asked me to go to Northampton and collect their loved one. And they complained at the time that the hospital wouldn't let them see that loved one. So I went to the Northampton hospital uh, and kind of um, collected their loved one. And while I was there, I asked the guys there in the mortuary, you know, why wouldn't you let this, this family see the loved one? And they opened the, the chapel doors or the viewing room doors. And there was a great big inflatable um, kind of blow up a uh, pandemic mortuary I've since found out is and um, they told me there was something really horrible coming and this is why because the viewing room was being used by this bit of kit and that was my kind of introduce introduction to COVID and that was back in end of November beginning of December 2019 um, so Christmas so, came so they, the they already had this this temporary morgue and knew something terrible was coming in November 2019 yeah, yeah, that, I saw it firsthand and was told that um, based on the story that I've just told you kind of thing. Mm, okay. So um, the news broke um, just after Christmas and we were all told about um, a Chinese lab and, uh, and the Wuhan wet market that had been there for hundreds of years without an issue that suddenly was an issue. 
um, uh, the hysteria was mounting and it wasn't long into 2020 before I was contacted by the local BBC <clears throat> and they asked um, they knew that I was a funeral director and they asked to come out and do um, a report um, around COVID and I'd hasten to add at this time early on in the process I believed COVID exactly the same as everyone else you know I was um, convinced it was real. We were being told it was real. And you have to remember that if I go to a hospital and, for example, they tell me a, a, a deceased is HIV or, or, for example, is tuberculosis, um, then obviously that's something I would take very serious. And um, COVID was no exception. So I was kind of trying to be as careful as I possibly could. Um, the BBC came. They brought a cameraman and a lady that spoke to me. They briefed me very intently on what they were going to ask me uh, and told me the answers they wanted and they asked me to dress up in full PPE and I was a bit reluctant at the time because you know I um, I mean all, all funeral directors will use um, aprons and obviously gloves but masks and stuff like that is not something we would usually use. Um, I worked for the coroner for seven years and the only time I would ever use a mask there is if I was attending the scene of a death where that deceased had perhaps been there for a while, you know, an undiscovered death. And then you put Vicks on the mask. And the idea is just to keep the smell away. Not it's not going to protect you against anything, least of all a virus. Um, so so they got the interview they wanted, you know, and promoted the hysteria. Um, and I kind of kick myself now because um, it's simply not true. Any of it is not true. So, so um, very soon uh, into 2020, um, funeral directors began panicking you know the death rate wasn't there though there was no increased death rate that we were seeing deceased that were deliberately labeled with covid but there wasn't any increase in numbers at all and that was across the board um as far as i was aware certainly every funeral director i spoke to and every mortuary i went into weren't seeing pandemic numbers we were seeing people that were labeled with covid but um you know how deadly was that i really can't tell you so um, I had a family come and see me who'd lost a young child um, and the child was six uh, and a cancer sufferer. So so totally not related. Um, basically, they wanted to see their little girl. And this was at a time when other funeral directors were taking um, body bags and coffins to the hospital and sealing people straight in those body bags and coffins there. And then there was no dressing, no, no viewings, nothing like that, because they could do it because of COVID, you know. Um, I felt that that wasn't fair to those people that had lost someone via a Zoom call or standing there in a hazmat suit, you know, that, that just isn't fair, it isn't fair. So I watched the dress of this little girl and, and gave the family time to see their, their, their child um, as any decent human would. And I kind of came to the conclusion then, you know, my job is to look after people and if that means that I, I fall over in the process of doing that so be it and I've washed and dressed everyone the whole way through COVID regardless of whether there have been COVID um, diagnosis or not. Okay and funny that you haven't died of COVID brother. Well not only that but my wife's helped me uh, and I've also got an embalmer who works for me full-time who's 55 he's a heart attack survivor 10 years now um and he's he's you know none of us have had a day off we're all perfectly healthy and they streamlined the process now where a doctor's not in attendance at death the police are not in attendance for a death and whoever is on the scene um rings the doctor the doctor say okay if you're sure they're dead ring the undertaker we go straight out and i was picking these people up 
still warm, you know. So so um, it wasn't like they were sitting in refrigeration or cold storage for a week and any virus they might have had to, had disappeared. You know, if they were COVID patients and they were infectious, I'm sure I would have I would have got it because I've not worn a mask the whole time. Um, mm. Neither is my wife, neither is my empalmer. So. so what are you seeing with numbers now? So, um, well, kind of rewinding back to 2020, in, in uh, March and April, we, we saw a brief spike for about two weeks, two and a half weeks, maybe three weeks, where unusually the phone started ringing. Um, and as a society, we're very good at getting people to pass away in hospital. Um, uh, and I would say if I have 10 collections uh, of deceased, eight of them would be hospital removals. One of them would be from a care home. And one of them would be either a residential address where someone's gone home to die or a hospice where people go to die for palliative care. And we suddenly had an announcement on the TV from government that um, they were going to try and protect the most vulnerable in, in care homes and that these care homes um, would be um, the places that were hit the hardest, which I kind of at the time thought was really strange because I don't understand how a virus can attack, attack a specific building. You know, it either is in community or it isn't in the community. And I kind of, you know, it was thing after thing that I just wasn't they were saying that wasn't making sense on the coalface as a, as an undertaker. So um, I got called every night for three weeks to care homes. And this was at a time when Matt Hancock, um, who's since been dismissed from government, um, uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, um, had transferred all of the elderly in hospitals into care homes. He'd been very careful to label them all as COVID uh, and he put them into care homes. And I've since found out that at the exact same time, there was a, a thousand percent increase in the amount of midazolam sedative purchased at that time. And there's a, a, an extensive paper trail that documents that very clearly. Now, I worked for the big funeral provider for 10 years who have uh, 60% market share. And in that time, I was never, ever, ever, ever called to a care home three consecutive nights. You know, so for um, for me being a small family undertaker to suddenly be called every night for nearly three weeks exclusively to care homes and nowhere else um, is uh, remarkably, um, it's probably about as, as likely as me winning the lottery several times in three weeks. It just doesn't happen. It's impossible. Um, I would hasten to add that all of those people were labelled with COVID. Um, I never saw a doctor in attendance once. No doctor ever attended to my knowledge. Um, I never saw a COVID test once. I never saw um, a, a, an incubator or, uh, uh, sorry, a, a ventilator. So there was no need for those patients to be um, uh, overdosed, shall we say, or, or heavily sedated to be intubated because there were no ventilators. So. Um, I suspect that thousands of people were killed, uh, euthanized in, in these care homes using midazolam. And on the odd occasion, I did, in fact, see small files, uh, perhaps on the bedside cabinet or in a bin, because I was actually looking for them at that point, you know, where they hadn't perhaps been as careful as they ought to have been doing that kind of thing. Um, so, so that was something that was, um, you know, kind of uh, raised alarms for me. And then as abruptly as that started, it, it finished. Um, and then I had a pandemic guy ring me and he introduced himself as a, a government sponsored pandemic guy. And he told me that um, as a funeral director, his job was to call all of the funeral directors in the area. And 
he was to collate the numbers uh, of deceased. So first of all, he would ask me, uh, for example, what my capacity was at the funeral home. So how many I could hold here at the funeral home, um, how many I'd picked up that week, how many were COVID um, and how many, you know, where they'd come from kind of thing. So it wasn't really very long. He used to call every Monday. He almost immediately started steering me. And by that, the conversation would go much like um, I picked a guy up from a care home that was in his 90s. He'd had a full life, no doctor in attendance, no um, COVID test. Um, he wasn't a COVID death. It was a natural death of a guy of 95. Um, and I would picked up someone from uh, the local hospice who'd succumbed to cancer, was a terminal cancer patient. Both of them were instantly labelled as COVID um, because the guy said, we, we were told they were COVID, there must have been COVID in there, we've got to put them down as COVID. Everyone, even one guy that was run over, every death possible was listed as a COVID death when they just weren't COVID deaths. And I had people coming in um, really, really upset families because they knew their loved ones had had terminal cancer um, and they were terrified that I wouldn't wash and dress them because they'd been labelled with COVID and I kind of had to assure them, you know, um, please don't worry, I, I will. And I did. I looked after every one of them um, and washed and dressed them all because that's what they deserved. And I was doing this kind of waiting to see if I'd fall over, you know, every, every morning I woke up and I took a deep breath and and then crack on. Um, and lo and behold, I'm still here, as is my wife, as is my my um, my environment, you know. So um, the, the year 2020 progressed. And there was no, apart from that 12 week cull that took place in care homes. And I'm very careful with the words I choose because I know that's what it was. Statistically, it's impossible to happen. You know, viruses don't target care homes exclusively. The care homes yeah. are they're full like of people that, they're, they're, they're full of people that can't say no. Yeah, they've set that up and they've brought in Azalam <coughs> there simply so they could get their numbers up and, and claim yeah, that there's a, there's a wave, you know. Yeah, of course they have. And the paper trail tells the story. And interestingly, I did a funeral a little while ago for a family and one of the family members worked in the local pharmacy in our local hospital. And she confirmed I couldn't resist asking her, did you buy loads of this in? She said yes. Mm. Yeah. So what are you seeing now and the vaccines are rolling out, brother? What are you seeing so, this so, year? Um, so 2020. Um, finished kind of November, December time, and they were widely advertising that they were going to uh, begin vaccinations on January the 6th locally. It was rolled out in different areas at different times in different parts of the world, but we were all told the lifesaver was coming in, in January. And I couldn't believe it really because this pandemic guy, after a number of months, he actually, it's amazing how quickly you get to know someone, even with a 30 second chat once a week. And it would be, hi, John, how are you doing? everything good yeah it's still really quiet and he actually admitted to me he said I don't honestly know why I'm doing this job he said because there are no COVID deaths and everyone's saying the same thing that's from the guy that was speaking to all of the funeral directors locally you know you you tell me that guy said that to me personally so so and um, he was being sincere and and shortly after they began vaccinating I was notified he'd no longer be calling so clearly there's no need for the pandemic guy to record COVID deaths now because they've stopped him from doing so, do you know? So, so um, November, December came and went. Um, we had we were doing funerals. It wasn't busy. In fact, even despite the great effort they made in care homes to bump the numbers up, overall 2020 was quieter than 2019 for death rate. And the vast majority of funerals we do in the UK are cremation funerals. I would estimate around 95% of them are, are cremations. 
and the the odd five percent would be burials. Um, we weren't up on numbers, and it was the same everywhere. The the statistics um, don't lie; they're there government statistics that show there was no real increase and uh, and it kind of got to the point where I said to a few people I began to smell a rat we weren't being told the truth and I said to people I bet the death rate soars in January when they begin vaccinating and everybody laughed at me they said no don't be so stupid you're mad and it um they we came back to work on the second and on the sixth they began vaccinating and the death rate was extraordinary i've never seen anything like it as a funeral director in 15 years um and neither has anyone else that i've spoken to and it began exactly when they began putting needles in arms um that was the the recognized second wave and that went on for about 12 weeks and finished abruptly the second week of of april and and to be honest with you i'd never want to see a death rate like it again it was awful it was awful um and they were very different this time. It was a mixture of all ages, you know, different uh, all, all locations as well. It wasn't, for example, all care homes. It was hospitals, residential addresses, mostly hospital deaths, to be honest with you. Um, and we were finding, um, you know, it was just awful. That was pandemic numbers, but it was only when they began vaccinating and never before that point. Were they, were they labelling all these people as COVID deaths? Oh, as many as they possibly could. Yeah, as many as they possibly could. Um, but I suspect they were vaccine injury deaths, the vast majority of them, or perhaps overdoses of midazolam, or perhaps also um, a contributing factor is the blatant neglect of people. You know, uh, a lot of families that I've got are telling me their loved ones have died from cancer and they've only managed to present at stage four because nobody will see them. They're not going for scans anymore. They can't get an appointment. They're being fobbed off with Gaviscon. Uh, when they've got pancreatic cancer you know uh, and stuff like that and it's just not being looked at so um there's a clear pattern there kind of emerging um and that went on till april 21 and then abruptly stopped uh, and then all we were seeing was literally the quietest period i've ever known certainly in five years and i think for that's the first time in five years as an established funeral director now that we actually lost money because there just wasn't anyone really passing away. And it wasn't unique to me. You know, I'm in a number of other groups with funeral directors and we joined these groups at the beginning of the pandemic, thinking that we would perhaps need to support each other during the COVID pandemic, you know, um, if one of us fell over and I'd hasten to add nobody has. Do you know, mm. so um, uh, uh, about three weeks ago, the death rate started to pick up again. And I'm now seeing people of all ages in and all of them are vaccine recipients almost exclusively. And the range of deaths is, is heart attack, sudden undiscovered heart condition that's led to a heart attack, blood clots, um, uh, stroke and multiple organ failure. Um, those are the four consistent groups that I'm seeing or, or the, the four consistent types of death that I'm seeing. Um, and it's all ages. Uh, I went to get my hair cut a couple of weeks ago, uh, went into my local barbers and they're all very somber and down. I kind of said, all right, guys, what's up? One of the barbers in there, 23, had died an hour and a half after he'd taken his second jab, you know, um, heart attack at 23, 23 years old. Um, yeah. I've had a guy in whose father went down and got a jab and was paralyzed almost instantly. He was then seen as vulnerable. So they gave him a second jab three weeks in and he was found dead at home the following day. I've had uh, a gentleman in who I was doing a funeral for. His mum went blind almost immediately. Um, I've, I've obviously since I've gone public about my concerns, 
um, nobody wants to talk to me now. You know, the BBC, the silence is deafening. They're quite happy for me to promote the hysteria. But now I'm actually voicing concerns and seeing a pattern of death related directly to the vaccines. Nobody wants to talk about it now. And this is despite the fact that there are a number of very, very eminent people, uh, and thousands of doctors globally, nurses, consultants, um, uh, professors, virologists, all saying the same thing. The government seems to be pressing ahead and, and blackmailing, coercing and forcing people and slowly creating a two tier kind of Nazi type society for a pandemic that isn't there. And the Delta variant, I can tell you, is widely recognised within the NHS as um, vaccine injury. It's not, it's not a virus, it's vaccine injury. And I, um, and I can tell you as a funeral director working on the coal face, you've been told and, uh, and, sh uh, and we've a very elaborate lie to convince everyone that they're ill and there's a dangerous virus and you need a life saving jab. And the real death rate was in care homes as a result of uh, uh, midazolam and then the deliberate relabeling of every normal death as a COVID death. Uh, and then we've seen the uh, extreme death rate once they actually began vaccinating. And it is definitely 100% that I can tell you as a funeral director. Now, some of the families that come to me are totally uh, unaware. And I ask every family, is their loved one um, jabbed? And they'll say, yeah, they're double jabbed, but it couldn't have been that because it was eight weeks ago. They just don't see the connection and I'm not there to call their bluff. I'm there to look after their mum or dad. I see the connection consistently and I also see great efforts um, being made not to acknowledge it. Now, two things are going to happen shortly. And I can tell you this with amazing foresight. They're already jabbing children. Uh, they've been inventing new variants, a new, newly named variant every other month. And the idea of that is there isn't a variant is to get you used to the idea of there being a variant and what will happen shortly with all these children that they're injecting is children will get sick and children will get die as a direct result of these injections it will swiftly be labeled as a new variant they will parade crisis actors and bereaved parents on the tv mainstream media urging you to get a jab and protect the children um, it's a certainty it will happen and I'm waiting for it to happen it 100% I've got no doubt in my mind and you'll all be amazed at the amazing foresight I had um, if you're in any doubt um, take a look at where you live uh, and what is going on and who's passing away uh, and they're all jab recipients and any funeral director with an ounce of integrity and honesty would tell you that and since um, kind of going public I've had about 45 different funeral directors or people working in the funeral industry that have directly reached out to me. They're very aware of what's gone on. They're all very, very, very scared and frightened. If they're willing to murder people the way that they're doing, I suspect that they won't think twice about silencing people like myself. Um, and I know my days are numbered for, for daring to speak the truth. But the reality is this there is no COVID pandemic and I'm living proof of that. Um, it's it's all been designed to get you to believe it and to take a, a, a vaccine, a vaccine that they're now. Do you know how many children I've had in or that I've heard through the, my network of funeral directors in maybe a 50 or 60 mile radius children that have died from COVID in the last, well, since it began? Not one.
not a single child has passed away from COVID that I'm aware of. And I would be aware because it would be big news. You know, mm. um, I don't doubt somewhere they will magic up some child um, that's and label them with a COVID death because they've done that with many other deaths. There are no children that have died from COVID. So there is no reason whatsoever to, to put these gene therapies into children. None mm. at all. It's absolutely indefensible. And the fact that they try and coerce a child of 12 to give consent when they can't consent to sex, they can't buy a beer, they can't get married and they can't vote kind of tells the story, doesn't it? You know, um, here we have a depopulation agenda uh, and um, the part of that depopulation is two fronts that they attack on. One is to kill people. And I'm seeing that as a funeral director. And number two is to sterilize or disable children to stop them from repopulating later on in life. And you have to remember that a child of 12 who's given an injection that's going to f affect their fertility, when will that become apparent? If they don't die and they're not sick, it's going to be 10 years really before anyone knows. Uh, and I can tell you that is what's happening. I'm utterly convinced. And I've been, um, uh, I've had 40, 45 funeral directors um, for all different companies. Some of them for the co-op workers have reached out to me very scared uh, and they've said they totally agree with me. I've spoken to nurses of 20 and 30 years and I've also spoken to doctors, um, professors and more harrowingly, a number of victims, a large number, an ever growing number of victims and people that have kind of said thank you so much and reached out to me because they've not got nowhere else to go. You know, mm. because nobody's listening to them. They're not interested. They're so busy oppressing them and blackmailing them and coercing them into lining up for a jab that's killing them. You know, now, um, the one thing that's going to happen is the children. The second thing that we're going to find, right, is in the NHS, they're in the same circle that I am. They see what's happening. And I can tell you, they see the suffering before that deceased comes to me. So they know full well that this um, Delta variant they mentioned a while ago is vaccine injury. And I've had that confirmed to me by a plethora of medical um, specialists. One of them I looked after last year. He was a guy that lost his partner um, and he confided in me. He said, they're extremely dangerous. Please, John, don't touch them. And this man has a family. And he said that he would never take it ever. He said, because they're extremely dangerous. And he went on to explain to me um, that the uh, the testing procedures were actually halted. They were getting through 200 rhesus monkeys a week. That was testing because they were all dying. So they stopped animal testing. And this is the same stuff they're putting in your veins in, in these immunization centers um, for a kebab, for a free taxi ride, for a reduction in your jail term. You know, it's not right. It's not normal. Why can't people see that, you know? But we've now got people everywhere that are so convinced because they've had 18 months of total brainwashing that they believe it and they're scared to death. And I watch children walk to, to school with a mask on in the open air. People sitting in their cars, they're all terrified and they're not being told the truth. The truth is it's these injections that are damaging and killing people. And I'm seeing that firsthand as a funeral director. And I need to tell people because... If I don't put my head above the parapet and sacrifice myself, who else is going to? And, and it'll be no good me reflecting from one of the massive new holding centers they've built globally everywhere 
you know uh, there's a massive holding center brand new prison we've been talking as a society we've been talking about prison overcrowding for decades i'm 53 now and i've i've heard it been talked about for decades so we're now at a point in time where the economies globally are on their knees they're on their knees and yet they've found the money to build super prisons super huge 30,000 mm. um, internment camps what do you guys think they are for they're for people who won't take the vaccine they're going to call them quarantine camps fema camps they're going to put you in these camps and i can tell you you will swiftly be dispatched and you'll be called a COVID death we're seeing exactly what we saw um allegedly in the second world war um now the one locally is at a place called hmp wellingborough it, it's um they're absolutely huge the, the, it's going to take like thirty thousand. the buildings are huge x shapes and i would urge anyone to get on google earth and have a look at hmp wellingborough there's supposed to be another one in a place called glen parva in leicester and they have a, a crematorium next door and a huge mortuary next door you tell me what that is for at this place and time where we are now why do we need these facilities building when the economy is on its knees who is that benefiting and what is it for i would suggest it's for people that will not accept these lethal injections because you're over the next <clears throat> five years you're going to see pretty much everyone that you know and love potentially die if they're a vaccine recipient and i've heard this this is this is um things that i've heard from far more qualified eminent specialists than me highly respected men universally acclaimed um and i am seeing the start of that as an undertaker now with people coming in in their 40s 50s i've got a guy in in his 30s um <clears throat> you know people that shouldn't be dying they shouldn't be getting heart conditions they shouldn't be suffering stroke um and that's happening right now and yet now they're targeting children when will people wake up will it be when children die or will they believe the new variant yarn that they're going to be told and i can tell you that's what they will say it's a brand new variant it's targeting children we've all got to protect the children and they may well try and mandate on the back of that and then the manhunt begins and they'll be able to fill up these large quarantine centers won't they mm. They're building them everywhere too. They're building them here in Australia. The I've, I've, um, yeah, yeah, I've been, I've been, um, I've been in touch with a number of people um, globally, globally from Australia, New Zealand. My heart goes out to you. Um, how I, I'm honestly of the opinion that the only one that's going to save Australians is Australians. Whoever yeah, they've you got to stand there, up. The people who, have to stand up. I mean, there's is a lot of pushback, but not enough, and uh, no, not no, enough no, people no, are no, becoming. There's no not enough people going. are aware that it's a fraud, you know, and it is. It's a quantifiable fraud. What, 100%. What, what's something, what would you, what's some piece of advice you'd like to give to people? Try to keep this short. So I'll, I'll post, actually, I'll post this interview up. I'll just, this conversation, I'll post it up on BitChute so people can look at it. Yeah, please uh, do. But let's keep it short so they watch it, you know. Uh, my, so. my advice to you is to get out there and, and let your politicians know exactly what you think. There's strength in numbers. You are the power collectively. Because the way they're chipping away at society, pretty soon you're going to be dragged off to one of these camps. How many people in your street is going to come out of their house and stop that happening? If you don't help yourself, nobody else will, I can tell you. And you'll be rounded up into these camps. There'll be an outbreak in these camps of COVID and you'll see people carted out. Some people will buckle and they'll accept a lethal ingestion just to get back released to be on, on home lockdown. The time is now to do something because I can tell you as a funeral director, it will be no good us reflecting in 12 months time 
from inside a prison cell um, wishing that you'd have done something, wishing you'd have saved your children. The time to do it is now uh, uh, and speak out. If you're in the industry, you need to speak out. If you're in the NHS and you're about to lose your job um, because you refuse in the vaccines that you know is doing this damage, for Christ's sake, speak out. You owe it to people. Uh, um, very interestingly, the, the Hippocratic Oath or the hypocritical oath, as I call it now, um, in hospitals, uh, as was revised in 2001 to omit the wording, we, we will do no harm. You know, so, so it, does that give people license now to, to harm people? I've spoken to nurses who have been called into rooms and been told by senior um, medical management teams to deliver a dose of 60 milligrams of, of midazolam, a fatal dose, to patients, patients that are not even dying. Patients labelled with COVID um, in a, 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 a fundamentally flawed process. The PCR test should never be done on more than 10 cycles. The guy who invented that test, those were his words. Um, and incidentally, he's dead now. You know, he's mm. died a short while ago. Um, they're doing 45 cycles. So the way it works is, is if you're a cancer patient, you go in hospital for palliative care. Um, and basically, palliative care or the Liverpool pathway means you're starved to death with a morphine driver in you. And, and don't get me wrong, for some people, that may be the most merciful end. And I can respect that. But the key element here is consent. And these people are having DNRs on, uh, placed on them uh, and they're being coerced and blackmailed into s signing these, these Liverpool pathways for people that are not even dying. Do you know, people that were um, designated as COVID with a test that is nondescript, it just doesn't, it's not a logical, there's no science behind it. The guy who invented it has said that, and yet they're driving forward and killing people. What more do you need to know, guys? And now they're targeting your children. What are you going to do? Are you going to allow it? Are you just going to roll over? Are you going to get led off to a camp? You know, there are enough good people out there to really make a difference, but only if you work collectively to do that. Um, and I suspect, um, as I've said before, the only people that will save you guys is you. You know, you can't. I've listened to what your government said over there. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's barbaric. It's almost very, um, uh, there are echoes of Nazi Germany in there, do you know, uh, and then some. You're being blackmailed, coerced, forced, um, um, every, every crime under the sun, every crime threatened with your job. You can't see your mum. You can't travel. You can't work. You can't go out. You can't go food shopping. You can't go to a kid's play park. These are fundamental human rights that you've lost. And it can only ever end one way with a van pulling up outside your house and leading you off to an internment centre. And that is where it will end. And it will end the same way here. And I would suggest that Australia is probably the test bed because although it's a big place, there is nowhere to go. So, so I would urge you guys to band together and to collectively take action, take action. I'm not encouraging crime, but you are victims of crime. So. Do you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I, I, all I can tell you is my experience as a funeral director, and I've washed and dressed um, well over 100 COVID cases now, many of them still warm. You're being lied to. You're being lied to. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, brother. I'll, um, I'll post this. And, um, You're more than welcome. And, and um, I would say, do you know, anyone who wants to reach out to me to verify who I am, um, my name is John O'Looney, and I work at, it's my own funeral home. It's Milton Keynes 
family funeral services in the UK. Um, do a search. You'll find me. And please do reach out to me to verify who I am, because I'll be happy to pick up the phone because we'll leave a legacy, guys. Uh, and if my legacy is truth and honesty and I save one of you out there, your families are just as important as mine. You know, so if that is my gift to the world before I, I'm swiftly dispatched from it, I'll take it. No worries, brother. Thanks for this conversation, John. Oh, you're more than welcome. And, and um, thank you for, for sharing it, because it's a message that I can't get out to people without people like you to share it. So I would urge everyone to share it far and wide. And if you can send me a copy back, I, I would have a lot of people waiting for me to share at this end as well. And I, I want to do that. I'll just edit a couple of little bits out, like the, the, yeah, cool. the messed up intro and a couple of little chat at the end here and I'll I'll um go in and I'll post it today, brother. It'll be on my bitchute channel in probably ten hours. Eight or ten cool, hours. Man. If you can um send me a link to download it as well, that would be appreciated as well as a link. Because I'll I'll share the URL, but if I can have a hard copy, that's going out on a number of USB <coughs> sticks to a number of sources, along with another load of of interviews that, that um hopefully will help the generations of the future. Um, yeah. there's a there's find, a website this in some court somewhere. There's a website called getvideo.org. You okay. go there, you just paste. When I give you the BitChute URL, just paste that URL in there and you can download it with that site. Yeah, That's at least way. throw an email over to me with that on or, or a message or something. Um, I will. Just to reiterate, my email address is john, which is J-O-H-N, at, and then it's the initials of the business, Mike Kilo Foxtrot, Foxtrot Sierra .co.uk. So john at M-K-F-F-S co.uk feel free yeah, I've got, to reach I've out. got your email there you want me to put your email below the, the video clip? please do please please do because without you verifying that i am actually a funeral director um it doesn't carry as much weight as it as it does me being verified as a funeral director yeah not a problem brother all right i'll, all right. I'll, I'll edit this up and I'll, I'll get it up tonight god bless you i really appreciate your time and and god bless you australia you know don't think that you're on your own out there we are furious with how you're being treated as as much as how we're being treated and collectively we wield a great amount of power as consumers i would urge you to band together and exercise that power because if you don't uh, the end is coming yeah i know i know brother god bless right, you man. take care bye bye thank you for listening to the china jedi podcast set aside your filters of bias the truth is your never told. Do your own research. May the smile be with you.